0: The Gospel, A Basic Truth, is sponsored by One Jump Ahead, a nonprofit sport ministry with a focus on strengthening families on our journey together. They provide a family-oriented sport with Christ-centered values and a unique look into how jump rope goes hand-in-hand with the gospel and our daily walk with Christ. Check them out. Go to onejumpahead.org. That's onejumpahead.org. <music> Greetings. Today we are going to talk about the testimony of the gospel of Jesus Christ as given by the angels. Please turn with me if you can to Luke chapter 2. Now this should be a very familiar part of scripture because this is the Christmas story of the angels and the shepherds. Uh, Now the first seven verses talk about how the family ends up in Bethlehem for the birth. So we know that In those days, uh, Caesar Augustus, who was the first and greatest of the Roman emperors, had issued a a decree for a census of the entire Roman world. And, of course, the idea behind the census was uh, to collect taxes. And people would go to their ancestral hometown to be counted and, of course, taxed. Joseph was a descendant of David, so they had to go to Bethlehem, the city of David taking his wife Mary, who is nine months pregnant and about ready to have the child. Now, it's, uh, they're going to travel from uh, Galilee down to uh, near Jerusalem, and that's a two- or three-day walk for you know people in good shape. So obviously, with a, with a pregnant wife ready to give birth, it took a little longer. They get there a little bit later. And by the time they're in Bethlehem, all the bed and breakfast, everybody's just sold out. And there just isn't any room. Now, it wasn't that people turned them away. It was simply there wasn't any room. And obviously, somebody had a bed and breakfast, felt sorry, and said, hey, you look like a couple of nice kids. I don't have any room for you, but hey, you can use the barn, what we would call a manger. And uh, so almost immediately, Mary has the baby. All right, so that gets us set up. Now, we're going to read, and I'm going to read 8 through 20 of Luke 2. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling claws and lying in a manger. Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace from God to men with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. All right, so if we uh, break this down just a little bit, an angel of the Lord appears to shepherds. So let's look at that term, angel of the Lord. So who is the Lord here? Now, I ask that because in the New Testament, sometimes the English word Lord means Adonai as in master, and sometimes it refers to God. Obviously here, this refers to God, and, and, and that will continue in the rest of the passage. So this is an angel of God, an angel of the Lord, and he appears to shepherds. We've got to take a break here. Shepherds. Now, just earlier in chapter two, we we heard about Julia, excuse me, Caesar Augustus. The, angels, the angel does not appear to the emperor of the greatest empire of the time. He appears to shepherds. Now we have a sort of a romantic idea of shepherds today. Oh, you know, David was a shepherd, the Lord is my shepherd. The truth of it is, shepherds were the lowest of the low. Why was David a shepherd? Because he was the youngest son, and nobody wanted to to take care of sheep. It's It's a dirty business. And that day, shepherds were physically and ceremonially always unclean. They lived out in the rough. They had to be with the sheep all the time. Their sanitation was poor, and they were not ceremonially clean. They could not participate at the temple or at the synagogue because they were unclean. And just like women at the time, shepherds were not considered to be credible as witnesses. They could not—you could not call a shepherd as a witness in a trial. They they were simply not credible. So within the, the Israeli society at that time, this is the lowest of the low. So when the angel appears to them and says, I have good news for you, it's for all people, the fact that he appeared to the lowest of the low tells us, yeah, this gift that he's going to talk about, the angel, is for everyone. The angel says, starts out by saying, fear not. Now, friends, a little kind of pro tip here. If an angel appears to you and does not say, fear not, I would be afraid. But if the angel says, fear not, you can, you can relax. So, now, to see God is to die. So when you see an angel of God, you've got to figure God's not far behind. And in fact, he wasn't. Because At the beginning, it says, the angel of the Lord appeared to them, but also the glory of the Lord shone around them. So not only is the illumination of the angel, but the glory of God is there as a witness, as this is true, And, and the angel is speaking for me. Now, what is this good news, this announcement that the angel makes? This is verse 11. Friends, this is the memory verse today. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Four things, okay? I'm going to say this verse one more time, and then we'll talk about the four things. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. First four things, say, Jesus is born. This child is born. It is a real person. It's flesh and blood, it's not Pinocchio, it's not a hologram, this is a real person that is born. Now, for you and I today, that's not such a big deal, but for the first two or three hundred years of the early church, one of the many heresies is, is what was called doceticism, comes from the Greek word which means to seem, and many people taught falsely that Jesus was not a real person, but he was like a ghost or something, he appeared, but he wasn't really real. Which is why he could walk on water and rise from the dead. So, very important in in this testimony, the gospel, Jesus was a real person. All right, three words Savior, Christ, and Lord. Jesus, this this child that is going to that is born is a savior. Okay. What is he going to save people from? Is he going to save them from the Romans? Well, Remember, the message is for all people, so we're not going to save the Romans from the Romans. No, this is the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophet, that the suffering servant would come and save people from their sin by, you know, dying in their place. The second, Christ. Now, this is a Greek word, the underlying Greek word. Uh, it says the underlying Hebrew word. I, I could never say in Hebrew. I will just give you the transliterated English, Messiah. All right? So, this person that is born, a real person, is going to save people from their sins, and this is the Messiah, the promised descendant of David, who will sit on the throne of David and rule Israel and all the nations of the world forever. Or as they said when I went to law school, forever. God, this, this Messiah will reign forever. And now the fourth thing. This is also the Lord. Remember I said earlier, this is God. Somehow this is fully God, fully man, who will save people from their sins and who is the Messiah who will reign for all eternity. And then the angel tells the shepherds, okay, I realize that it'll be 30 years before this man starts his ministry and 33 years before, the death and resurrection, and a lot of you may not be here, so I'm going to give you a sign, uh, out of the ordinary thing, to show you the sincerity of this promise. And that sign is you're going to find the baby uh, wrapped and in a manger, which is an odd thing. And then the angels come, the multitude of the heavenly host, and they, they say glory to God in the highest, all of which is, is more witness to, to verify this this promise that is being given. Notice that the angel's immediately in haste go, hey, we believe this. We have heard the word of God. We believe it. Now let's go act on it. Let, let's go find this baby. I got to say, you know, shepherds were all hired men. The rich people are the ones that owned the sheep, and, and the sheep was kept in that area, and they would go to the temple, uh, you know, a few times a year, and they, they would sell, the, the, the owners would sell the sheep to the Levites, who in turn would sell them to the... To the uh, the pilgrims that came to make sacrifice. So they leave their sheep, and and they immediately go to Bethlehem, which is maybe a couple miles away. So what are we talking? Two o'clock in the morning, maybe? There's no GPS. There's no addresses. They don't know where the baby is. So what did they do? Obviously, they had to knock on doors. Hey, is the baby there? You know, I can just imagine people getting waken up at two o'clock in the morning, and you got, you know, all these scruffy, Shepherds, you know, and you're like, "What's going on?" And they're like, "The angels. We saw angels, and there's a baby, and so we came to see the baby." Well, probably the angel part got them going, but I'm going to suggest to you that half of Bethlehem got woken up that night. Everybody's trying to figure out where the baby is, and and I honestly think half scores, maybe hundreds of people showed up at at the manger that night, you know. And here's Mary and Joseph, like, what? And so, finally, the uh, the shepherds are able to say what the angels told them, and it says all who heard wondered what the shepherds had told them. Notice Mary's response. She treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart, which means she didn't talk to anybody about it. She, She just kept it in her heart. All right? So, we see the gospel message, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who was Christ the Lord. The shepherds heard, they believed, and they acted upon it. Now let's focus on Mary. Mary, this is now the third time Mary has received some kind of communication, either directly or indirectly, from angels giving the gospel message. Let's now look at the first time. And this is a direct communication. So that, we look at Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee, to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed, to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her, and he said, This is Gabriel now Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. All right, the shepherds had a no-name angel come to them, okay? Mary gets the heavy hitter, all right, the angel Gabriel. Anytime we see an angel that's named, that's usually a very important, powerful angel. And we can read a lot about Gabriel in the Old Testament, and I would refer you to Daniel, the book of Daniel. So, very important messenger angel who comes to Mary and says that she is favored. Now, what does that mean? There is nothing in Mary that was good that God should choose her for this, okay? She did not win the Timothy Award at Awana. She, she never went through life without getting spanked by her mother. That, that's not what it's saying. Okay, the idea here of favored one, there's an underlying Greek word related to charis, meaning grace. God, in his mercy, unmerited favor, simply chose her. The, the, there was nothing in her to cause God to choose her, he chose her. And so, that the favor was unmerited that was given to her. And she's told, you know, once again, we see this message, you're going to bear a child, a real boy, okay? You're gonna call him Jesus. And he will be the son of the Most High, son of God. And the Lord is gonna give him the throne of his father, David. This is the Messiah. And he is going to reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will have no end. And, of course, Mary's like, okay, I'm a virgin. How's this going to work? It's explained about the Holy Spirit. And notice Gabriel says, the child is called holy, the son of God. I mean, clearly, once again, we see the entire gospel being presented here to Mary. And Mary, she hears the word of God. She believes on it. She believes it. And then we are told after this that she immediately goes to the hill country to go find her relative Elizabeth. In other words, she then acts. She believes uh, and acts upon it. All right, so we've seen the third time Mary has heard about the gospel through angels, heard the first time. Now let's look at the second time. For that, we go to Matthew 1, 18 through 25. Before we get there, Young women in those days were married, honestly, as young teenagers, 14, 15, 16. Let's say Mary was 16. Joseph would have been, as I said earlier, probably about 25. That's just what it was in those days. And this is really an awkward sort of discussion because Mary has got to get hold of Joseph and go, hey, Joey, uh, something happened. Uh, I, I, I was visited by the angel Gabriel. And, and he said, I'm going to have the Messiah. Now, up to this point, Joseph is thinking like, okay, I'm the house of David. Okay, hey, I can go with this. And then she says, and then the Holy Spirit is going to come over me, and, and I'm pregnant. And now his head blows up. You're pregnant? You, you, you got together with some guy named Gabriel? No, 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 no. It was an angel. You got together with No, 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 no. He visited me. It's the Holy Spirit. And at this point, Joe is just going crazy. This beautiful girl that he thinks he's going to marry, is she crazy? And is she's pregnant? What, what is she talking about? And so he's like, hey, Mayor, I, I, I need to go to Starbucks and get some coffee. I got to think this through. All right. I took a little liberty there, I know. Now, let's read the verses. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. And again, this is Isaiah. Behold, the virgin will conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until... She had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. At some point, you got to say, uh, I think anybody would be terribly confused as a young man. You hear that? But he has a vision. It's an angel of the Lord. He hears it, and he believes it, and he acts on it. Okay, I'll take this girl to be my, my wife. Now, what the angel told him essentially was, Mary is right. She is still a virgin. But that which is conceived of her is not by another human man, is by the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus is going to be a real boy, a real man, and he is going to save his people from their sins. Again, he is the Savior. He is God with us. You know, Joseph goes back, knocks on the door, and says, Hey, Mary, I guess you're right. You know, starting out as a young couple being married is tough, but I cannot imagine all that's on their plate. Let's stop for just a minute because I want to look at Mary. What we know mostly about Mary comes from the Gospel of Luke. Luke is unique of all the authors of the uh, books of the Bible. He's the only one who is not Jewish or Hebrew. He is a Gentile. He's Greek. He's Greek. He's a physician. Uh, He's a believer. He met the Apostle Paul on Paul's second missionary journey and becomes a traveling partner off and on with Paul until Paul is martyred. At some point, Paul goes to Jerusalem with some money to help the believers in Jerusalem that are struggling because of a famine and persecution. And while he is there, he's in the temple, people think incorrectly that he's brought a Gentile into the forbidden area. There's a riot. The chief priests have to call the Roman legions to come. They they quell the riot and they arrest Paul and take him to a Roman prison in Caesarea, which is uh, up on the coast uh, near what is today present-day Tel Aviv. It's a beautiful area. If you get a chance, you need to go visit it. So Luke is there, He's waiting. They don't know when Paul's going to get out. In fact, Paul is in prison for two years. Paul gets to witness to Roman governors. He gets to witness to some of the minor royalty in the area. Meanwhile, Luke is busy. Not only does he make a living being a doctor, but he has determined he is going to write an account of Jesus Christ, the gospel, the gospel of Luke. And he tells us in the first four verses of chapter one of his book that he was determined to write, that he read everything anybody else had written, and that he interviewed the witnesses, the eyewitnesses, which today we think is pretty normal. But back then, that was uh, pretty revolutionary, actually talk to somebody. And so for two years, he is interviewing people. Now, Luke is, has written a gospel that is very inclusive, he tries to include people like shepherds, okay, the down and outers. He, he includes, uh, you know, prostitutes, everybody. So as part of his inclusion, he, he highlights the role of women a lot more in his gospel than the other writers. At some point, Luke's like, you know, the person I ought to talk to is Mary, the mother of Jesus. After all, she's the one that was there from the beginning. I'm sure he's asking around, hey, is Mary still around? Oh, Yeah. Where is she? Well, she lives with uh, John, the evangelist. Do you think I can talk to her? Well, go talk to John. John is like, okay, go talk to Mary. So we are now talking 51-52 AD. How old is Mary? 71-2. You know, we see pictures of Mother Mary. She's 20 years old. She's got a little baby sitting on her lap. That's not who Luke saw. Luke saw a 70-some-year-old woman that basically had the crap beat out of her most of her life. Not physically, literally, but just emotionally. She lost her husband as a young woman. Her oldest son, Jesus, was butchered, murdered 18 years earlier. Her second oldest son, James, was martyred eight years earlier. He died in 43 AD. He was martyred. We know that she had at least seven children. By this time, she would have had grandchildren and great-grandchildren. She was there through all the persecutions. The persecutions were still going on. They didn't get a lot to eat. You know, this woman's got gray hair, lines. I mean, this is an old lady. And this guy, Luke, sits down, and he says, Mary, what did you know? I tell you, friends, I think this is the first time Mary's story has ever been told because, up until then, the early church they perhaps honored her, but you know, nobody came to visit her. I mean, in in the Acts, in the epistles, everybody's running after you know, all the leaders in the church. Nobody's saying, Hey, can I see Mary? Knock on the door, ring the doorbell, Hail Mary! No, none of that's going on because Mary treasured all those things in her heart. And I think it is Dr. Luke who sits down with her, and now this old lady, and you don't see pictures of an old lady when you see her. I think she smiled, and she said, Well, I guess it's time to tell. And she tells us, uh, you know, just transported from seventy-some years old back to being 16, and, and I think she tells with all of the joy and, the, and just the incredible awe of, of these three visions, starting with, with Gabriel. And you have to say, oh my, how we need to honor this this woman through her whole life, who heard the Word of God, believed it, and and always acted upon it. Now, I I want to make sure we talk about who Mary is and who she is not. Mary is a person or was a person just like you and I, a real person, real body. She was a sinner, yeah she's not perfect she's not sinless she was a sinner just like all the rest of us and she needed saving it's not because i say so it's because scripture says so in fact mary herself says this we read we read luke 1 46 and 47 mary after she is as she's meeting with elizabeth when the two are pregnant and as she's finishing her time mary praises god and this is what it starting verse 46 and mary said My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. She knew she needed a Savior. There is a a counting in Luke how the baby infant Jesus, the the parents take him to the temple to be dedicated. And they meet this elderly man. His name was Simeon, and God had told him that he would live to see... God 's Messiah, God's Christ, and he's walking in the temple and he comes across the young couple and the baby, and the Holy Spirit says, "There he is. That is the messiah. and And you can read this, it's in chapter two of Luke and and Simeon says, I, "I've seen salvation. I, I can now die in peace." And he, and he talks about this salvation that is not only given to the Jews but it's a, going to be a light to the Gentiles. and at some point... Simeon turns and he talks directly to Mary and he says, Behold, this child is appointed for the rising and falling of many in Israel, and a sword will pierce your heart also. Now, in context, what he's saying is with the coming of Jesus, everybody is going to have to make a decision. You either have to accept him by faith, and that is rising. You don't accept him by faith, and that is falling. And Mary, you too will have to make that decision. And of course she did. Now, Mary was a person like us. She was a person of faith. She did show us the way. Next thing, what she was. It was a virgin birth. All right, She conceived and gave birth as a virgin. That is a given. But she was not a perpetual virgin as I've already read to you in Matthew chapter 1, 24 and 25. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Clear indication that the two were intimate afterwards. We read further in Mark chapter 6, verse 3. Jesus is back in his hometown of Nazareth, and... People are taking exception to his preaching, and they say, starting in verse 3, is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at Jesus. So there's at least four named brothers. There's at least two sisters, so there's at least six of them. Now, some traditions will say, oh, well, those were the children by... Uh, An earlier wife to Joseph. Well, that's not what Scripture says. Okay. Well, it says brothers, but it really means cousins. Well, that's not what it says. Mary had other children. She was a person like you and I. Now, there are some faith traditions that say, well, Mary is a co-mediator with Christ, a a co-redeemer. So Mary helps us get saved because she... She talks to her son. Well, that's not true, and Scripture is very clear about that, First Timothy 2: five through6. "There is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. There is one God and only one mediator between God and men, and that is Jesus Christ. Mary is highly honored but she is not a co-mediator with Christ for our salvation. That comes only through Christ. And lastly, we need to honor Mary, but she should not be prayed to or worshipped. Now, I don't say this. The Lord Jesus Christ himself says this. Let's read it. Luke eleven twenty-seven 27 through 28. And he said these things, and so... We're coming in on the end of whatever Jesus had been teaching. As he said these things, a woman in the crowd raised her voice and said to Jesus, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast at which you nursed. You know, Jesus rebuked her. But Jesus said to her, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Friends, Mary is blessed Because she heard the word of God, and she believed it, she obeyed it. And that is the example for us, this beautiful, perfect example of faith and obedience. Friends, let me pray over us as we go. Gracious Lord, we thank you how greatly you have blessed us with this testimony that comes through Mary, the testimony of your angels, where you told us clearly who Christ is and what he does. We are so thankful for how you have blessed the church with with Mary. And uh, Lord, bless us as we go. Help us to be a blessing to our family and our friends, to let them know that this is what the angels said about the Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.